dealing with sin in our lives, next on Abounding Grace. You can't run away from your problems. For the sake of God's will in your life, deal with your sin. Deal with sexual sin radically. Cut it out of your life. If it's the internet, disconnect it. If it's magazines, get rid of them. If if it's a smartphone, shut it down. If it's your cable or your dish, unplug it. If it is going to certain places, if it's the job you're in right now, get another job. Your life is worth it. It's better not to perish because of your flesh. It's better not to lose your marriage over it. It's better not to destroy your mind with images that won't be erased. Jesus says, deal with it. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Maybe you've noticed life is a real battle, from our fight with the flesh to the loss and hurt we so frequently encounter. So how do you walk in victory and get back up after you've been deeply hurt? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll get some answers through a study in 2 Samuel. King Saul has just died, and it's noteworthy who is there beside him, an Amalekite. Here you have a fleshly man with an Amalekite, which is a type of the flesh. As we begin, Pastor Ed Taylor will explain the pathway to victory over the flesh. You know, whether you believe um, King Saul committed suicide and the Amalekite was there, or you believe in verse in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel that the Amalekite finished him off, it really doesn't matter. It's not a foundational, essential doctrine of the church. But consider this. What is an Amalekite doing by the king? of Israel. And I ask you this, why is the flesh so strong in your life, you man, you woman of God? When God has given you the command to crucify the flesh and its desires thereof, and there's not one person listening, including my own two ears, that isn't guilty of this and doesn't pay the price for the flesh. Doesn't find ourselves at the end of our, you know, and some people, unfortunately, to the end of their life, their life is categorized by the flesh. It's their undoing. If you don't deal thoroughly with your flesh, you will die because of it. Now, friends, I'm not making a salvation statement. I'm not trying to get into the realm of the theological discussion about whether you lose your salvation or not. I personally believe that eternal salvation is eternal. Uh, And I'm I'm not saying that your flesh will cause you to lose your salvation. I'm telling you that as a believer, the flesh will lead to death. I'm not making a salvation statement as much as I'm making a fruit statement. It will destroy the branches. It will destroy the root structure of your life and produce bad, rotten fruit. Sin must be dealt with seriously. It it cannot remain. Listen, Romans chapter 7, verse 5. When we were in the, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. That's a warning. It's a reminder. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. And Jesus put it this way. You have a radical flesh issue in your life right now. 
just a radical sin that is indwelling and, and seems to, to, to be more controlling of your life than you desire, believer, this is what Jesus said. This is our discipler. This is, the, this is what he told us to do. If your right hand causes you to sin, pl- if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. He's using metaphoric exaggerated language here. Because the issue isn't, you know, if, if your right hand's causing you to sin, cut off your right hand like you'll never sin again. No, because you've got a left hand. Well, I'll cut that one off too. It's going to be hard, but you could probably pull it off. And then you, you don't have any hands anymore. And then you're, you know, it's, he's, he's, he's using exaggerated mer- metaphoric language to prove a point. It would be a shocking thing for, its, for the hearers. It's a shocking thing to hear that even for us. And you know, over the years, there have been believers that have taken this passage and thought, you know what? I need to run to the mountains. I need to live an isolated life. That's what Jesus, I need, I can't deal with the flesh and I can't deal with the world. It's too much for me. So I'm going to just, this is my interpretation of cutting my right hand off. I'm going to go live in the mountains or, you know, there were even those in the, in the beginning centuries of the early church that were known as pillar saints. And they decided to set up a pillar and they would go up and climb up and live on the pillar in isolation as if that was going to deal with the flesh. It didn't. It doesn't. Running away never solves your problems. One famous hermit, uh, his name is St. Anthony. Uh, He lived a hermit's life. He fasted. He lived without sleep. He tortured his body. For 35 years, he lived in the desert. And for 35 years, this was, it was a nonstop battle in his life without relief with temptations. The story is told in his biography, and I quote, First of all, the devil tried to lead him away from discipline, whispering to him the remembrance of his wealth, the cares for his sister, the claims of his kindred, the love of money, the love of glory, the various pleasures of the table, and the other relaxations of life. And at last, the difficulty of virtue and labor of it, uh, it was too much for him. The, the, the evil one would suggest to him foul thoughts. And, and then he would counter them with prayer. And then he would get fired back with a thought of lust. And then so much so that he would seem to have blushed. Then he'd fortify his body with prayers. And he'd fortify his body with faith and fasting. Then the devil one night even took, this is according to his biography, the devil one night even took upon, the shape, upon him in his presence the shape of a woman and imitated her all her acts to beguile St. Anthony. And for 35 years, this guy took all of his struggles into the desert, thinking he was going to run away from them and live a holy life, but he took them with him. The battle is not in isolation. The battle is on our knees, dependently upon the Lord. Cutting off your hands, what does Jesus mean then? I think he means it very clearly. With radical sin requires a radical response. A radical sin requires a radical response. Otherwise, it will beset you. It's an old King James word. It will just beset you. It will just go after you. It will follow you into the desert for 35 years, your flesh and the devil. To the Jewish mind, the right hand and the right eye represented strength. Even in your strongest area, Jesus is saying, you can be weak. 
You know, if you were to cut off both your arms and pluck out your eyes, I mean, I, 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 could, I could still mess with your mind. You know, the enemy's really clever. Even our own minds are really clever. And, and we can mess with each other's minds. You know, the, the, the enemy loves to mess with our minds. Our flesh loves to mess up with our minds. That occasionally I'll get, the, I'll get a question by email or we get a question on Calvary Live. Does the devil really know my thoughts? Let me ask that. Let me answer that for you. No. He can't get inside of your head, believer. Except that he can get inside of your head in a way. Well, just like I can right now. Like right now, I'm telling you, don't do this. You ready? Don't do this. Absolutely don't think of some big, ugly, purple dinosaur that can't sing. Don't think of him. (laughs) Absolutely don't imagine him. Don't even think of him. Don't get disgusted by his song. I love you. (laughs) Oh yeah, don't think of him. Don't, what are you doing? Stop thinking. I just got into your head. And you're going to have that song all the way home. But I'm external from you. I'm not in your head. I don't have, I'm not doing mind-controlled Jedi tricks on you. I just simply said something, and some of you, by way of connection, you recalled a thought, and maybe a repulsive thought, but a thought nonetheless. And that's just how things work. You can't run away from your problems. For the sake of God's will in your life, deal with your sin. Deal with sexual sin radically. Cut it out of your life. If it's the internet, disconnect it. If it's magazines, get rid of them. If it's a smartphone, shut it down. If it's your cable or your dish, unplug it. If it is going to certain places, if it's the job you're in right now, get another job. Your life is worth it. It's better not to perish because of your flesh. It's better not to lose your marriage over it. It's better not to destroy your mind with images that won't be erased. Jesus says, deal with it. And I think it's interesting that at the end of Saul's life, an Amalekite's there. It's so typical of his life. A fleshly man visited by a type of the flesh. It's important that we take a stand of reckoning the old flesh life to be dead utterly and completely, living in the strength and the power and the yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. Making a decision will not enable you and empower you toward victory. It will just put you in a place to walk in the victory that's already yours. You know as well as I do, when you're in the flesh, you're in a place of weakness, not victory. And so Jesus is not telling us, this is all up to you. You fight the good fight. Fight really hard. Man, if you fight hard enough, you'll have victory. No, what he's really saying is deal with it radically in an act of submission to me, and I will lead you in victory. But there's a cooperative effort on our part. It's a sort of destroy or be destroyed kind of thing. And that's what God gave to King Saul, in order to completely destroy, and he didn't. And so the reward for this Amalekite, verse 11, then David took hold of his own clothes, tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. They mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord, for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. I'm sure the Amalekite wasn't expecting that. Then David said to the young man who told him, where are you from? He answered, I'm a son of the alien and an Amalekite. David said to him, how was it that you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Verse 15. 
Then David called one of his young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. So David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. So after the time of mourning and fasting, David confronts the Amalekite, called him to account for the deeds that he's taken credit for. If he was lying, then he got a worse uh, if he was lying, trying to get more and trying just to get a few uh, props and, and get hooked up with the new kingdom, then he got a worse reward than he expected. Uh, if, he, if it's true, then he got what he deserved. David, in all those 10 years in the wilderness, recognized Saul as king, and he didn't think, take things into his own hands, although at times he did. He didn't with King Saul. He didn't wipe him off the times that he had. He might have run away and do some weird things, but he honored the Lord's anointed. The person that God's put in your life, God has put in your life in authority over you, even if it's a King Saul. We hope it's not, but I'm certain that we've all had experience with King Saul's from time to time. And remember, uh, throughout our study in First and Second Samuel, I'm always going to remind you of the book, uh, A Tale of Three Kings. Uh, it's such a valuable resource for those that have been hurt in the church, those that are hurting in the church, whether, you know, by it's a leader or, and he, you know, what he does is he chronicles the life of King Saul and David and Absalom in a uh, play type of thing. And then he, at the end, he asks you, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be like Absalom? We're going to be introduced to Absalom soon enough. Absalom, by the way, is a son of adultery. It was a consequence of David's sin, Absalom was. And he's going to become a thorn in David's life because he's going to rebel, try to steal the throne from his own dad. Do you want to be an Absalom? Draw people after yourself, undermine God's anointed. Do you want to be King Saul? You're just ripping people to shreds and shooting arrows and trying to destroy people's lives? Or do you want to be David and you submit to the will of God in your life as hard as it might be? And remember the phrase that sticks with me to this day is there always a little bit of King Saul in all of us. Because, of course, we're not, who's going to choose Absalom and King Saul? No, oh, I want to be Absalom. Bam, you need to repent. You know, don't do that. <laughs> I think I'll be King Saul. You know, you can't. No, you, we want to be David. And yet, there's a little bit of the flesh in all of us. A little bit of the, the weakness of our flesh. So the Amalekites wiped out. Then David, it says in verse 17, lamented with his lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. He's really sad. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. And during this period of mourning, David realizes that the children uh, needed to learn how to be archers. And so some translations translate the song of the bow uh, as teaching them how to use the bow uh, along with the song, that it would be used as a tool to teach them how to use a weapon. Uh, and you'll notice in the New King James, the song of is in italics. And you remember in italics, it's included by the translators to help bring meaning. It sort of works in this case. But if you read it without the, without the it says to teach the children of Judah the bow. Uh, and so I can see that as well. Like, you you kind of use this as a way to encourage them and remind them why they need to know and use the bow. That's a possibility here. So along with teaching them how to use the bow, they're going to learn a song to help them remember. Now, isn't, that, um, isn't it amazing how many weird songs are stuck in your head? Isn't it amazing? Depending on what, gen what generation you grew up in, you've got a lot of songs stuck in your head. And it wouldn't take much for me, I will not do it, to hum a few bars uh, to bring them to memory. I mean, right now, um, the songs that you hear in the market, you hear at Target and all the places are all 80s songs. So if you're an 80s kid, um, 
you know, you're taken back a few years and you're like, man, I didn't like the music back then and I don't like it now. If you're like some of us, some of those songs bring back very, very painful memories of very bad decisions that were often done to the tune of worldly music. Music that didn't, doesn't glorify God. Music that glorifies sex. Music that glorifies violence. So many of us, before we got saved, that's what we fed ourselves. That's what we put into our bodies. That's what we put into our minds. That's what we put on when we participated in things we shouldn't. So we have some associations. Uh, I'm thankful, you know, in my own life over the years, God has cleaned a lot of that up, uh, but not all of it. Occasionally I'll be walking through and some thought comes into my mind. I go, where did that come from? And then I'll tie it in. King Supers has got some dumb 80s music on uh, in the cereal aisle. I just went for cereal, man. And uh, so I need to put in a suggestion box that put something else. And it doesn't even need the lyrics. Uh, it's just the tone and just the, it's like, wow. Um, not all of it, but some of it. And I mean, it's good to associate because song is very powerful. Song in and of itself is a neutral medium because we taught a lot. We taught our kids so many things by teaching them songs. We taught them scriptures by teaching them songs. Uh, we goofed off with songs that are, that with some of the songs that associates to a memory that is a great memory and a fond memory. And so song's very powerful. It's kind of neutral. It can be used for the things of darkness. It can be used for the things of the Lord. I mean, you think of how many times uh, as Pastor Ian or the, our worship team is singing a song, that that's the song that's in your head on Tuesday at 3 p.m. when you're having a bad moment and then just the, the Holy Spirit says, no, no, I've got a song for you. And you're like, where did that come from? You know, no, I know where it came from. We sang that on Sunday. I'm so glad I was in worship this weekend. I'm so glad that Pastor Ian, uh, you know, chose that song. I'm so glad that I chose to participate in it. I'm so glad that I chose to learn the lyrics. You know how we put the lyrics up on the screen? Uh, those lyrics are there just temporarily because one day you're going to learn the song so you can close your eyes and, and then take in another sensory part of worship where you can just, crowd, you can just close out everyone in the room. You know, the, the, those are there to teach you the song, not for you to depend upon them. Because once you learn the song, uh, once, uh, you find that we sing the songs. You know, every couple weeks we're singing the same songs as Ian is teaching it to us. Or, and, and the idea is so you learn them. And when we say at the beginning of the month, hey, here's the CD of the month, and you, whether you get CDs or you get it on iTunes, um, that's there so that you could take those songs with you and, and you can hear the original, you know, and put that into your heart. Uh, you know, we dedicate in between our, our Bible studies on Grace FM. There's music there. I, I wish we had more time for more music, but I like Bible study. But if you want more music, Saturdays, all day Saturdays. There's a whole genre of music, of worship. Music that's not being played on other stations. Music you probably didn't even know about. And you go, where did that come from? Uh, and, and so there is opportunity for you to grow in music. And so to this song, this lament would be a tool to remind people how to use the bow. Uh, and notice in verse 19, he says, The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Don't, don't uh, brag about it in the Philistine cities. Proclaim it on the street of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, nor let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. For the blood of the slain from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided, 
They were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places, verse 26. I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. You know, the, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 13 that the Philistines took all the weapons and instru- instruments of iron away from the children of Israel so they would always have an advantage. The enemy's like that. He loves to have an unfair advantage against us. And yet Jonathan and David now introducing the use of the bow and arrow, a new tool. Uh, even it was used earlier as they were using it. Unfortunately, David, I mean, King Saul was using it in a bad way, but King John, I mean, Jonathan, the prince, used it in a good way uh, to send a message to David. So, you know, you, you had this. It was been introduced, and now David is elaborating on that, so it's a much more wider use that would be associated in the training to this song to remind them of where it came from. It came from Saul and Jonathan. Now, the lesson for us is simple and powerful. And that is, if there's been a loss in your life, or a hurt in your heart, or an ache in your soul, it's important to get back in the battle. Or sometimes we refer to that as just, when you fall, you've got to get back up. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, you just made an excellent point as we closed, and that was on the heels of loss or hurt, it's important to get back in the battle. Would you speak to that person who's perhaps discouraged and finding it hard to get back up? It is hard to get back up. You know, you're listening to me and those words relate to you, and I, it, it is hard to get back up. It seems easier to stay down. And even there might even be people that, that you even hear in your mind, maybe the devil's telling you, stay down, stay down. But God wants you to get up. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to, to be in, in a place of, of moving forward again. And, you know, I know people, well-minded people might come along and say, oh, you'll get over it. No, no, you won't get over it, but you can move forward. And things do get better. And you can become stronger. And it is important to get back in the battle. We want to serve alongside of you again. We want to be a part of your lives in a meaningful way again. Uh, we want, and even though you're different now and things are changed, um, the, whether it's grief uh, specifically or, or just some, some issues in your life that have beat you down, you know, you, you're learning from them. And so if you're listening to the radio and that's kind of been your lifeline, I'm so grateful you've had a lifeline. But the Lord is saying to you, it's okay to get back up and take the next step. You don't have to jump in, you know, all the way. You don't have to get back to where you were before, but it would be good. Maybe go back to church and maybe write a note to someone and encourage them. Uh, maybe go next door and tell your neighbor, thank you for the pie that they made you. Or, you know, you know the, the circumstances surrounding your life. You can do baby steps, but whatever steps you take, please take the step. Step in and allow the Lord to begin using you again. Thanks, Ed. Today's study is aptly titled, Get Back in the Battle. And maybe that's a word for you today. Get the CD for just $2 by calling us right now at 877-30-GRACE. 
That's 877-304-7223. Or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. If you haven't already downloaded the free Calvary Aurora app, simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Another great way to listen to great Bible teaching is through the Grace FM Colorado app. Check it out. Here in the month of May, we've picked out an excellent book written by Roy Hessian called The Calvary Road. In it, he teaches that it's through brokenness, humility, and confession that we can prepare our hearts to receive the fullness God wants for us. If you long for revival and power in your life, this is a must-read. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll take you to 2 Samuel chapter 2 and learn that spiritual success is connected to seeking the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Aurora. 